This is OBS Radio, a service of OBS International, a division of Greater Works Business Services. And a pleasant good afternoon to everyone. Welcome to How Great God Is, the program, the podcast where we exemplify, magnify, and lift up God. And so we are in our fifth season after sporadic episodes that we had on a previous platform. And so we are back for a fifth season. And so normally um, in the past on this uh, program, uh, we have done like a lot of preaching and teaching. But starting this season, we're also going to have uh, from time to time various guests to come on this program to share inspirational stories about uh, uh, basically inspirational stories uh, that uplift God. And so today is one of those type of programs, you know, that we have here today. So with me today, we have Sue Bowles, as V-O-W-L-E-S. She is an author, speaker, and master certified life coach. Uh, She's also uh, leads an organization called My Step Ahead which uh, the mission of this organization is to break the stigma around mental health struggles. And she's also written a book entitled This Much I Know. Uh, Sue, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, I understand that you, um, you know, have a lot of things uh, on your plate right now. So we basically going to divide this interview section into um, into three parts. So uh, the first part, if you're willing to do this, um, I was reading your biography and uh, looks like that uh, you have uh, a survivor of a whole lot of things, mm-hmm. uh, such childhood rape, eating disorders, sexual assault, um, and um, you know even suicide. Um, that's part one. Uh, part two, you're going to be talking about your organization, uh, My Step Ahead. And then finally, the third and last part is that we're going to be talking about your book, uh, This Much I Know. So we're going to go in that order. Um, so in part one, so before we get into all that, please tell the audience on the record who you are and what you do. Sure. Well, as Keith said, I am a survivor. And the nice thing is that doesn't define me anymore. So who I am, first and foremost, is God's kid. And he's absolutely head over heels in love with me. And he not only loves me, he likes me. That's who I am. What I do is is everything Keith just talked about. I'm a life coach. I lead an organization. And I'm basically all about helping break the stigma around mental health, especially for believers, because unfortunately, there are a lot of believers who suffer in silence, feeling that it's a shameful thing that they need help. And I want to help break that stigma. So I, at every opportunity I have to share my story, I want to do that on whatever platform, podcasts, I've presented at national conferences, um, you know, in whatever format that it takes. I want to get the word out there that it's okay to not be okay, and uh, it's it's been it's been a very encouraging and exciting journey to uh, to see people give themselves permission to be human. Um, so let's get to our first part. Uh, you shared a little bit about your, you know, testimony on how you became a survivor, and, and we know without a test, there is no testimony. And maybe this will kind of help someone, you know, that is going through uh, the same thing, especially if you are a believer in Christ. So uh, we'll begin there. 
Sure. And, and let me quickly just give a quick trigger warning. Some of the things I'm about to share are pretty heavy. So if there, if something could be triggering for you around the topics that Keith already mentioned, please exercise some self-care. And also, if there's little ears in the room that maybe don't need to hear this, maybe it's a good time to press pause and uh, help redirect them until we come back. So um, having said that, I was, I'm a childhood rape survivor. A classmate enticed me into the woods on the school property when I was seven years old after school one day in first grade. And he held me against my will for 45 minutes. And his last words to me put me in prison. And I didn't know that because his last words to me were, don't tell anybody. I did not know what had happened. I just knew something bad happened. And I didn't tell anybody for 15 years. It became a 15-year secret until I finally told someone who was my dean of students in college, my senior year of college, maybe a month or two before I graduated. Um, it was that spring. Um, so anytime, trauma literally rewires your brain. And the thing is, this was early 70s. It's before people started talking about trauma. It's before rape was not even on the radar. So no one knew to ask any questions. And I didn't know to say anything. So nobody did anything wrong that day except for the boy who raped me. But what we've since learned is that trauma literally rewires your brain because your, your, your neuropathways suddenly become all about survival. So from a very young age, I suddenly kicked into survival mode, fight or flight, and my emotions shut down. And they were frozen in time that day. And it would be many decades until they started to thaw. So I started off at a very young age, already off course. So by the time you add grade school, middle school, high school, and almost all of college to it, I was not doing well at all because I didn't know how to process things. I was very insecure. Uh, so because of that, you know, there were there were some other sexual sexual abuse, sexual assault from some neighborhood from a neighborhood boy. Things happened on dates in high school that probably didn't need to happen. Um, you know, I've been twice suicidal. I have never attempted suicide, but I've been very, very close. And at one point, there were only two thoughts keeping me alive. First was my family did not need to go to my funeral in the middle of my parents' divorce. And the second one with that, and this is what really got me through. It's what I call nagging optimism. There was something deep inside me that kept telling me it was going to be okay. And that was my relationship with Christ. So my relationship with Christ literally saved my life. Um, you know, like, like Keith talked about, I, I'm in re recovery from an eating disorder. Um, I've been struggling with that. And it wasn't until 2016 that I really went into recovery for that. Um, you know, there, there's been a lot of stuff. You know, mom and dad divorcing after 34 years of marriage. I was my mom's caregiver. We just lost her 21 months ago. So there's been a lot of life. And yet I'm still here because God has, has, has carried me through because of, as your show says, how great God is. So um, he's taken me through a lot, but it now also allows me to relate to so many people. And he's giving me an ever-increasing platform to be able to share his message of hope. And what, what message have the Lord shared with you uh, in regards to what you've been through? Oh, wow. So many. I think the big thing is that it, and I want to be careful how I phrase this. I don't want to get into a lot of the theological discussion about it. But while he did not cause any of these things to happen, he was aware of every single one of them. And just like Romans 8, 28 says, he will make it all to get work together for the good of anyone who of all who believe in him. And he has done that and continues to do that. I see his hand through so many things that I would not have seen before. I wouldn't wish any of that on my worst enemy. I would not. It's not how God has designed life. The thing is, while God's heart broke for me the day I was raped, it also broke for the boy who was raping me. And it took a long time for me to catch that. But if we are all created in God's image, then the boy who raped me is also created in God's image. And God's heart broke for him the same way it broke for me. 
And what that has allowed me to see over time, and not everyone gets to this point. I fully understand that. And it was something my counselor helped me kind of work through, was that I now have compassion for the boy who raped me. I've forgiven him. He still has to answer answer to God for that. But here's the thing. If it wasn't on the radar for me, it wasn't on the radar for him. So what was he experiencing, and I hope not living through, to bring him to that point? These are some of the things that God's allowed me to see when he lets me start seeing things from his view. And, and, and it's, it, it doesn't happen overnight. There's been a lot of deep healing. It's only been the last eight years where I have gone from calling myself the holy exception, but truly believing that everything in the Bible was good enough for everyone else but me, that I was too screwed up, too far gone, and I was a waste of space, to now doing what I'm doing now. That's only the grace of God, only the grace of God. Um, tell us about your encounter with the, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, when you, when you was going, you know, through this, what, you know, was God telling you when you was going through? When I was going through my healing? Yes. Oh, wow. One of the things that, that I kept learning was that I am valuable to God. And my healing took a number of years. And there's still little parts of things that are still being healed now. Um, I, I am part of a, of a retreat community called Walking Stick Retreats. And the first retreat was in 2014. And that's where I had to own my story because I was in denial about my story. I hated my story. And quite frankly, I hated myself. It was the year I was finally dealing with the rape four plus years after it happened. And my emotions were thawing. So I was an absolute mess and I was imploding. And I went to this retreat and for the first time, kind of had to face myself. And, and I realized that, um, that, that, that my, my story my story has a lot of loss to it, but that it needed to be owned. I had to own my story. The next year I went back and I had to grieve my story. I didn't realize how much loss was in my story, but I had to grieve it. And all of these are things that the spirit is taking me through because he's, you know, he, he's helping me see that I'm broken because I had worn a mask up to that point in time trying to, to get everybody to believe that I was okay, that Sue was golden, Sue was the strong one, nothing ever bothered Sue. And, and, and the Holy Spirit's like, that's wrong and that's a lie. Someone in my small group at retreat this, uh, two, two times ago said, wearing masks is a lie. And that really pierced. So he was working on me in that regard. And he had me had to just start peeling off the layers. But then that third year at retreat, the nugget I walked away with was that I am valuable to God because up to then I had not felt valued. I didn't feel valuable. I certainly did not feel like the pearl of great price. I felt more like the swine going over the hill. And um, when I walked away with that nugget, that's when things started to change. That's when I dared to believe that I mattered. That's one of the messages I have every time I speak is I leave the audience with the dare to believe that you matter because that's when things start to change. That's when the book started. That's when the speaking started and the speaking turned into podcasts and that turned into conferences and keynotes and everything. So, and then that came, it turned into being a life coach. All of it started because first of all, I had to own my story and get out of my denial because that's where the enemy had me trapped. And then I had to grieve my story and let God come into my story and let God comfort me. Because up to that point in time, I had been shut off. I had been putting, you know, wrapping myself up tight to protect myself from the hurt. And really, I was locking the hurt inside. And in that third year, when I walked away with the nugget that I am valuable to God, that's when things started really happening. That's when, that's when my life literally started to change. Um, I, I've always said that time, that that healing is not bound by time, mm -hmm. but healing is bound by God. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, when we, you know, grieve over things and we're going through, you know, through things, you know, you know, we often, you know, hear that, you know, you know, you're going to heal, 
you know, in time, but we had to ask ourselves mm -hmm. who, uh, we had to ask ourselves, you know, who is the author of healing? Mm -hmm. You know, and then I would say to people, well, you know, you know uh, uh, healing is not bound by time, but healing is bound by God. Right. And so that was one of the nuggets, you know, that he, you know, he gave me because uh, I recently lost my dad. Mm. And so, um, you know, still, you know, moving on from that. And, you mm -hmm. know, that's the nugget that the Lord had, you know, has given me. But um, it just doesn't apply to uh, someone who's in bereavement. It also applies to someone, you know, who's been through a traumatic, you know, experience. Mm -hmm. You know, meaning that there is no specific time that a person you know, has to heal. That right. is left up to the Lord. And so the only thing that we have to do is just allow, you know, him to take us through that process. Mm -hmm. And we don't know how long that process is. And that's why right. I say uh, healing is not bound by time. Right. Um, and I think that's what uh, a lot of people, you know, miss you know, especially when you're going through mental illness, you know, they, you know, they think that uh, there's some, you know, magical potion or something mm -hmm. that you just put in the microwave and poof, you know, you know, there it is, you're cured. That's, that's not how it works. No, no, not at all. Not at all. And, and I, think, <laughs> I think that's one thing where we do ourselves a disservice. You know, we don't hesitate to go to the doctor when we break a bone, when we're broken in that way. We don't hesitate to go, you know, take medicine when our blood pressure is too high and we can't get it under control. We don't hesitate in those regards for anything physical. Why do we hesitate in that regard when it's something emotional and mental? The brain is an organ, just like your heart is an organ. A number of you know, psychological issues usually have some kind of physiological base. And there could be a chemical imbalance in your brain just with how your body works because we're fallen people. We are imperfect. We, we, we are not, our bodies don't function perfectly. So having that in mind, there may be a chemical imbalance in your body that is setting off some depression or anxiety or anything like that. And if something can help level out those chemical, chemical ba balances in your brain, to help level out some things in your life, why do we hesitate? God heals directly, yes, and God also heals through other people. And he's gifted doctors and chemists and, and pharmacists to be able to bring that healing forth. And that is one thing that I think a number of believers have wrong. Yes, God deal, heals directly. And he also uses others as his instruments to heal. And I think we forget that second half part of the time. And I think that's why we struggle. One reason why we struggle so much with accepting our brokenness, with accepting that, hey, I need some help. I, I, I don't have this figured out. I'm, I'm swimming in my own grief. I'm, I'm, I'm so caught up in the effects of my trauma that I can't literally think straight. I need someone to help me sort this out. Does not the word say there is wisdom in the abundance of counselors? Does not it talk about sharpening iron and bearing one another's burdens? When we fail to do that, we're robbing other people of the blessing of being used by God. That's one of the reasons my organization exists is to start trying to break that down because thankfully mental health came to the forefront more during the pandemic. And I hope it doesn't disappear again, just because things are starting to get back, back to whatever the new normal is. Okay, well, so yeah, uh, so now we're gonna shift gears to your actual organization, uh, my step uh, ahead. Uh, first question would be is, uh, what is my step ahead in uh, what led you to establish this organization? And what are some of the things, yeah, and what are some of the things that uh, that the organization does? Sure, My Step Ahead exists 
to help the body of Christ realize it's okay to not be okay. That, that's, that's the ultimate goal of it. Within that, there are a number of different prongs. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, but what led to this was a few different things. One, my own journey. But because one of the things that I kept focusing on was what's my next step. A lot of times we want to run two and three and four steps down the road, and we miss the critical importance of the next step. The name came from a couple different things. Uh, back when one of the times I was suicidal, my mom and dad were divorcing. I was on a ski discipleship trip, trip with a camp that I worked at. And there was a Christian musician named Billy Sprague. who was there. Billy was very well known in the 80s and early 90s. And um, Billy and I had become friends. We had lost contact and reestablished contact before that, that conference or that ski trip. His fiance had been killed in a car wreck on the way to surprise him at a concert. And he found out right before he went on stage. And he was neck deep in grief. So at one point, Billy was suicidal as well. He had come out of that and was coming back to life. And I asked to talk to him. And I said, I need to know from, learn from something you've gone through. How do you go on living when all you want to do is die? And that was where I was at. I was at that point. And we talked for probably close to an hour and a half. And his last words to me were, that's all I know to tell you, Sue, step by step. Billy shared a story how he had gone through the airports um, in his grief. And in front of his, it challenged him to watch the steps through the airport. And with each step, tell himself, I'm one step closer, one step closer. I can do this. I've gotten this far. I can keep going. He had me watch my feet on the way down to the ski slopes. And my first thought was, it is a long journey. I am not going to make it. That was 1991. This is 2022. I'm still walking. That's one source of the name of my organization. The other half of it came from a teaching at my church back in 2015. And it was right as I was doing all, starting my healing journey. My pastor was talking about growth. And he said, what does it take to be able to help somebody else grow? And the answer was, you only have to be a step ahead. That's where my name came from. Our, our, the, the, the slogan, the modern motto, tagline, whatever you want to call it, is you only have to be a step ahead to help the person behind you. Billy was a couple steps ahead and helped me. I may be a step ahead of someone just starting their healing journey. And yet I'm still reaching out to others who are ahead of me when I'm reaching out for help. And yet I'm reaching back to to help. We form a human chain of support. Therefore, my step ahead is simply about taking your next step in the journey, because all of us have our own journey and all of us need help. So that's where the name came from. Uh, a couple of things with that. And in terms of what we do, um, we basically, as I already said, we are all about empowering, equipping and encouraging, especially believers to realize it's OK to not be OK. And, and again, that you only have to be a step ahead to help somebody behind you. We tend to think we have to have arrived or that we have to have it, quote unquote, all figured out before God can use us. That is a lie straight from the pit of hell, because God can and will use each one of us right where we are. He has brought us to this point and taught us things that we are now responsible and, and charged with sharing with the people who come behind us. That's, that's the power of my step ahead is we want to help people start holding on to that concept. Now we do that through, through writing. Yes. I wrote my first book. Uh, it's an, won an award, which is really encouraging. Uh, we do it through speaking, through podcasts, through conference presentations, through keynote addresses. I also do it as a master certified life coach. So all of those different prongs fall under my step ahead. And, and it's exciting to see the doors that God is opening. And I'm thankful that people are receptive of the message Honestly, what I'm seeing is that people are starved for the message and that as more uh, well-known people have come out with their own struggles of, of, of mental, mental health struggles, it's suddenly starting to make it more okay. So I want to be a herald trumpet of God's grace and God's hope. That's why I specialize as a hope coach, to help people, help people cultivate hope. Um, um, in your biography uh, under the organization, uh, you mentioned something about breaking uh, stigmas around 
uh, mental health. And so what are, what are some of those stigmas as associated with mental health? Sure. A couple of the ones I just talked about that I have to have it all figured out before I can be used, before uh, God has any purpose for me. That um, it's shameful to struggle, that there's something wrong with my Christian walk, that I don't have enough faith if I'm struggling. And all of those are, again, they're lies straight from the pit because of what we talked about earlier, that we are all human. And that as a result of the fall, our bodies are fallible. And our bodies are not in the perfect state God has designed them to be. And as a result, we will have different struggles. And our brains and organ, just like our hearts and our lungs and our kidneys and our stomach and everything else, can struggle as well. So being able to talk about those and just start, the more we talk about it, the more normal the conversation becomes. That's one of the reasons I speak so openly about my eating disorder. The eating disorder I have is called OSFED, Other Specified Feeding and Eating Disorder. It's totally different from the other ones that people think about when they have an eating disorder. So again, the more we talk about things, the more we normalize things. But even with eating disorders, there's a stigma, there's a stereotype, there's an assumption that people have that is eating disorder is either this or that. And there's a whole scope of things. So I, I spend a lot of time just helping educate and break down those, those stereotypes and misunderstandings about eating disorders. The more we talk about things, the more we normalize them, the safer people feel to start saying, me too. Um, so what, what are some of the activities that, uh, that your organization uh, you know, uh, organized? Yeah, right now, again, we've only been around about two years, so we're still you know, building steam. Um, so, so we have lim limited limited uh, personnel available to do things. But a lot of what we do you know, is, is the podcast. We've had great success with the podcast. I've been on over 100 podcasts in just two years. I've been on international podcasts that are based out of Germany and you know, Australia and you know, UK and, and Canada and everywhere. It's, it's been pretty crazy. And it's neat because the mental health struggles are the same, and yet they are different in different countries. So that's been one success we've had is just getting, getting the message out there via podcasts. Um, as a life coach, I'm able to do that one-on-one. -on -one. I have a life coaching client out of Australia, which is fantastic. I have them all across the U.S., the, the, the States. So with the power of Zoom, we can have a life coaching session no matter where they are, no matter what time frame they are in. So God is allowing us to really have a very wide reach and, and, and a very powerful one. Um, you know, one, one success story of coaching, there was a mother-daughter team that came to me during COVID. They had had a huge falling out during the, the pandemic around the holidays. They had gauged their relationship to be a 10 out of 10. And after the falling out, it was down to a four out of 10. We spent about three months it may sound basic, but when you are in such an intense emotional state and frustration, that sometimes it's hard to get back to the basics. And that's where something, you know, having an outside source helps. We talked a lot about, we learned how to listen to each other and, and basic communication skills, basic things like using I statements and not saying, well, you did this, but instead I felt this when this happened. All those little things that are communication skills that go a long way to building a secure foundation. By the time we finished coaching, they felt that they were back to an eight out of 10 and had the tools to get back to a 10 out of 10. That's the impact that we're having is that we're able to have a, a, an international impact through the podcasts, through uh, uh, different, different, different seminars or different conferences I presented at virtually, and yet I'm able to have the one-on-one -on -one contact through coaching. Two weeks ago, I presented at a national conference in Indiana called the Association for Christians in Student Development. I had 30 people at my seminar, and I had about 10 of them say, hey, I want to have you come to my campus. So through, through the individual coaching, through the global podcasts, through the one-on-one -on -one contact with national stuff, God is letting us have such a far reach that it is, is very encouraging. It's kind of like scattering seeds and then watching them grow. It's been really fun. Uh, I mean, if, um, if I'm hearing this right, you mentioned something about having a podcast. 
I do not have a podcast of my own. I've been a podcast guest on over a hundred podcasts in two years. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, <laughs> if you don't mind me asking, what, um, you know, I know you've been on uh, lots of podcasts, <laughs> and so, uh, and obviously, uh, hundreds of people have been, you know, you know, listening to you. So what, what, what were some of the experiences and outcomes of being on uh, those podcasts? Uh, do you feel that you're, you know, you know, confident in telling your story in order to, and to reach people and to empower them? Very much so, because a num- mo- the majority of the podcasts I've been on are not Christian podcasts, but the message is the same. People struggle whether they identify as being a Christian or not. And it's not to say there weren't Christians listening. For I know the host was a Christian, but the focus of their podcast is such that it, it, it just felt more, more general. And that has been very encouraging as well. It's been fun to go back through some of the podcasts and I'll try to share some comments when, when it airs. You know, I'll get in there on the chat and share some comments. There's, there's one podcast that had, what was it, 15, 1,500 views or something. Um, it's just, it's encouraging to hear these things and then to get in discussion with people in the comment threads, uh, just to, to understand a little more of what they're going through. And then to have the hosts write me and say, man, this podcast has gotten this much feedback, or this is, my, this is the, the, the one that's gotten the most activity in the last month or something like that. So that's been very encouraging. And that tells me that one, you know, that host has a, a strong foundation and, and, and is continuing to widen and broaden their, their listening audience. And also that that host knows their audience because to have me on and speak about what I speak about is touching nerves to the point that people are responding. And, and that's very encouraging. I've had a, had, had a few people uh, reach out to me for life coaching as a result of hearing me on a podcast. You know, our, our local NBC affiliate here in Ohio had me on a segment called Tell Me More. And I had a couple, I had three or four people reach out to me for coaching through that. So it's very interesting to see how God gets the message out and that it's going to be for the right people at the right time. Uh, so you mentioned that you had uh, a lot of um, non-Christians mm-hmm. uh, that tune in to uh, the broadcast. And I know there's kind of like a stigma to that because if you go on social media, uh, they, you know, you know, they attack, you know, Christianity as, you know, as some, you know, religion that's obviously uh, just, you know, not, you know, loving towards those that are not in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's one thing that we have to address and talk about, you know, as Christians, because that's definitely considered to be, you know, a stigma of, you know, Christianity, particularly because, you know, you have, I mean, you, there's some Christians out there that use, you know, Christianity as a way of controlling people. Mm-hmm. So we definitely have to have a conversation, mm-hmm. you know, about that as well, because, you know, if not, it's going to be difficult for us to, you know, actually compel people uh, to come to Christ. And I Mm -hmm. think one of the things that you discuss is, you know, something that, that people can relate to. And, you know, understanding, you know, things that you are going, you know, have been through is obviously something that people can relate to. So, so, uh, so let's talk about the correlation you, you know, of that, um, do you believe that that is a tool that can be used to, you know, reach people and compel people to come to Christ? And if so, how? And, and well, you know, what is being done? Sure. Um, God can use anything and everything because he's God. And he can use, simply use my infallible voice over the airwaves to touch somebody when you know as i'm on a show and and depending on what question is asked you know i i i've had to work through it 
but I don't shy away from saying I'm a Christian and my, my comments stem from that, that frame of reference. And that's it because that's important to me. It's important to me that the audience know my frame of reference. And yet because of, because of that Christianity, because of my faith, I want them to see a different viewpoint. And I'm not saying I proselytize on, on podcasts. I don't do that. That's not what I've been asked to be on a podcast to do. What I've been asked to be on a podcast to do is to speak to that host audience in a language they will understand about the topic of discussion for that day. That is a huge privilege that God has granted me. And I need to make sure I operate and honor that podcast host and the time they've invested to allow me to speak to their audience. I don't, I want to be a good steward of that. That's how my Christianity comes into play in being on podcasts is by how I treat and respect and interact with people. That's where people hopefully can sense some type of love, some type of acceptance, some type of, of honesty. Everyone is, is hungry for authenticity. And if I can be authentic with my story, that's what I want to be, because that is how I'm able to give God honor, even without using those words. Okay, let's see. We kind of lost her there a little bit. Let's see. We can get her back on. Uh, can, can, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, by all means, continue. Oh, I, I'm not sure where it cut off. I, I saw you moving, but I couldn't tell where it cut off audio-wise. What was the last part you heard? Uh, you you was talking about uh, the the actual purpose of being on, you know, a particular podcast. Right. And, and you know, when, a, when, a, when a host has invited me to have access to their audience, to bring something to the show that will benefit their audience, the best way I can honor that person and honor God is by meeting the need of that audience at that particular moment. So it might be a, be a show about recovery. It might be a different show about mental health. It might be a show about uh, communication. You know, it could, there, there's, I've got one scheduled called Music is Healing, and we're going to talk about how, mu how music can be healing. So it could be any number of different things. I've done podcasts on leadership. I've, I've, there's so many different aspects that I can have a chance to speak to. And, and with that, I want to honor God by honoring that host's invitation to give something of value to their audience. So, um, you know, when, I, when I'm speaking, when I'm sharing, that, that because I can relate to so many different things, there are so many different podcasts I can be on. But I, I want to be a light to those people in my words, in my actions, and not just, and yes, in my words, but I don't want to, I don't want to um, violate the sacred trust that's been given to me by the host. Because it's not about my agenda, it's about, about the host agenda, and it's about how God is allowing me to fill that need at that moment in time. Okay, let's, uh, let's talk about your book. Uh, this much, uh, you know, I know. Can you kind of give like a synopsis of what your book is about? Sure. And for anyone watching the video, that's what the cover looks like. <laughs> got a lighthouse on it breaking through a storm yeah. the, the title is this much i know the space between and i wrote the story as i was as i was uh i wrote the, the book as i was in my healing journey it started out with the vision of being kind of like a, a more like a devotional life lessons learned kind of thing i was going to share a story and at the end give what give what the lesson was learned the life lesson i learned as i started my healing the book took a different turn and it ended up becoming my story. So the first half of the book is my story. It goes in, in, into much more detail about you know, things I experienced, uh, you know, what life was like at the house growing up and the great memories we had and 
all the way through high school and college and graduate school and these retreats. And then the second half of the book, and back up, the, the concept is that this much I know is the story. All of us have a story, and that's the one thing nobody can take from us. So this much I know is my story. The space between is the healing journey God took me on and, and, and the healing that needs to happen in our lives to be able to get past some of the junk in our lives. And I alluded to it earlier about needing to own our story, about needing to grieve our story, and then to dare to believe that we matter to God. Those are three of the critical steps. And we kind of break those down in the book a little bit. Um, it's available on Amazon and Kindle. It was self-published. It's my first book. And the fact that it won second place nonfiction at the Faith and Fellowship Book Festival in 2020 was very encouraging to me and, and just let me know that, that I'm doing what God wants me to do. So it, it's, it's been, uh, it's been enjoyable, enjoyable to, uh, to see the feedback on Amazon from it, to know the uh, the effect of, of how God is using it. Uh, I had somebody tell me, and it's really one of the biggest compliments, that she didn't know if she wanted to throw the book away, hit me, or keep reading it, because it was striking so close to her. And I did see the healing that God has taken her on, and just knowing my book was one small part of that story, uh, that's, 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 that's pretty humbling. Uh, what advice would you have for people who, you know, want to come out and tell their story, but they don't necessarily know how to do it. Right, and and that is that is a, a challenge and, and a struggle. Um, I encourage you don't tell it to just anybody, because your story is a sacred trust that you are sharing with somebody. So make sure it's someone you're safe with. Make sure it's someone that you will continue to be safe with and then that you know they're trustworthy. Make sure that you feel free to only share what you want to share, that there's not the pressure to spill all the beans if you're not ready to spill all the beans. That can do more harm than good. If, if, you're, if you're willing to open up the curtain a little bit and peek from behind, then peek from behind as much as you are able to and if God is prompting you to do more, follow his prompting, because he will make sure you are safe. Here's the other thing. If you are feeling the need and that desire and it's time to share that secret and you don't know where else to go, reach out to me. I would be honored and privileged and humbled to be trusted by you and prayerfully used by God to be the first person you share your secret with. You can go to my website, suebowls.com, send me a message there. I would be honored to be able to help you on your healing journey because sharing your story is the first step. Um, uh, so uh, if there's any other advice that you would like to give, you know, people about, uh, you know, about the healing process or, you know, if, you know, or how to allow God to, you know, take control of whatever you're going through. So if there's any advice for that. Yeah, um, ha don't have unrealistic expectations. And what I mean by that is healing is painful and healing is not fast. If you have ever broken a bone, you know that when they have to set that bone back in place, it hurts. No matter how much Novocaine or whatever they try to put in there to lessen the pain, it still hurts when they put that bone back in place. Ooh, and, I know and, that. And, and then, then they wrap it in a cast to protect it. Because just because it's put back in place doesn't mean it's ready for use. So the same way our body takes time to heal, our spirit and our emotion and our heart take even longer, honestly, because wherever you are, you did not get there overnight and you're not going to get out of it overnight. Need to have a trusted person or two. I highly recommend a counselor. I'm a life coach and there is a lot that I can help you with. There is also a fine line between coaching and counseling. 
Now you can be in counseling to deal with the past issues and be in coaching to deal with present to help get you where you want to go. And that's what I do as a life coach. Um, but if there, especially if there is trauma or something in your background, I highly recommend finding a strong Christian counselor so that you can have that safe place. I have been with the same counselor for 14 plus years. She is the first person I told my story to. And we have been on one heck of a journey. And she has been there every step of the way. And God has used her in immense ways. And I would not be here today had I not connected with her. I never recommend something I'm not willing to do for myself or that I'm not already doing for myself. I highly recommend finding a counselor to deal with the trauma because there are a lot of tentacles to it that aren't going to get unraveled overnight. And the unraveling is messy, very messy. When I first told her about my rape and finally dealt with it four plus decades after the event, I was still going through the woulda, shoulda, coulda, I should have known better, it's my fault. And I was looking at a childhood event with an adult's understanding and putting that on me. And she really helped me work that through. And it was not short. It took a long time and it was not painless. But I'm through it now because God used her to bring healing to my life. What kind of response did you get from uh, uh, Christians and non-Christians alike who, you know, may per se, they, they go to you for coaching or uh, you go on a podcast or you, uh, you know, go to various speaking engagements? So what, what kind of responses are you getting? Thankfully, very encouraging. Um, you know, the feedback when I present at conferences has been very good. People are appreciative of, of just the realness, the authenticity, the approachability to be able to ask the hard questions and, and even to, um, in some ways, kind of lead the charge to having the hard conversations so that if, if someone's already taking that first step down the path, then it's a little easier to follow and easier to ask the question because there's not that fear. Is it OK to talk about? Is it OK to ask? Uh, so very encouraging in that regard. Uh, my coaching clients, you know, the feedback has been very positive. When I hear a coaching a coaching client say, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm, I've met my goal, I'm ready to go do this. And to hear others come back and say, when we met and now, I, now we're done and now I'm doing this and I'm still doing this and I'm in a really good place. You know, when that, when the NBC story came out here in, in the Columbus, Ohio area, they contacted one of my one of my former clients with her permission, and they asked her, you know, a couple of a couple of questions about coaching, about how I was as a coach. And at the end, they said, "Where are you now?" I said, "I'm in a really good place." That was very encouraging, you know, to be able to hear that because oftentimes you don't hear how how people have have gone on after after your work is done. So to hear the ones that that well, send an email periodically, or you hear from them in some way uh, is very encouraging and lets me know that I'm doing exactly what God wants me to do. I, I think people are, I try hard to just, you know, this is who I am. I, I am a, I'm a straight talking brass tacks kind of person. I, I like just cut to the chase. So when I speak, um, I, I just, I not in a brash way, but I tell it like it is. You know, and I will challenge people. I said earlier, wearing a mask is sin. That's what I mean. I'm a brass tacks kind of person. I, dan I don't dance around. And, and I'm finding that people appreciate that breath of fresh air. Uh, what, what, what advice were you, uh, what, what was you, what, how, how do you see uh, your organization, you know, go in the next five to 10 years? Mm. Well, uh, certainly want to expand the reach. You know, the podcasts have been great. Now that public speaking events are starting to come out, I I'd certainly uh, envision more, more travel, more travel for in-person events, more travel for in-person national conferences. I've presented at a few national conferences, but they're all virtual. 
So the one I was at a couple of weeks ago in June in Indiana, it was so refreshing to be with people and, and to be able to have a live Q&A and, and just be able to feed off the energy. And then after, after, the, after that, I had a couple of people schedule one-on-ones while we're at the conference. And those are just the most exciting part is you can take what you talked about and then understand what, how it's applying to their individual life and answer very specific questions. Uh, so that's very enjoyable. So definitely more travel in that regard. I did just launch a YouTube channel. So that is, is getting ready to, to get going. So I want to expand on that. Um, and working on the, working on book number two. So, you know, lots of, lots of big vision, but ultimately my heart, my, my large, largest heart is to go on a speaking tour. And, and, and I mean, arenas of 10,000 people and get this message out there. I kind of have it all in my head, starting with worship and some drama and everything. Um, and, and really just having a real, real conversation with people. But then I also want to make sure that we have counselors available afterwards for people to pray with. So that, that's, that's the vision, is to, is to see this launch and, and expand, because the need is very great. And I don't, you know, I believe God is, it has given me the opportunity to be, like I said, a voice of hope uh, in a very dark, dark world right now. And, and, and to be that herald trumpet of grace, because Unfortunately, we're not good at giving grace to ourselves. So that's just a few, few of the things in the vision uh, to see what God wants to do. But that's what's on my heart, to see where this thing goes. Seeing that we have a before and after. Um, so, how, you know, how do you feel about all of this is, you know, it, you know, it's happening? Uh, and how does that affect your, your spiritual walk with Christ? I'm blown away. I'm really blown away. Um, you know, to sometimes it hasn't quite sunk in what he's allowing me to do, what he's calling me to do, what he has equipped me to do. I realize that what I am doing is very atypical. Not everybody loves public speaking. Not everybody wants to be on stage and, and captivate an audience. Um, to me, it just feels very natural. I have some a friend, a couple of friends in my circle who will kind of help me grasp what God's doing because to me it's just like okay that was kind of cool you know very unassuming and I want to remain that way but I, I am thankful for my close circle of friends who also see Sue God is doing something through you and and he he he's you catch a glimpse of this. Because I, I, to me, like I said, it just, and I don't say this in, in, a, in a false pride way. I just, it's just like, it's just normal for me. This just feels very natural for me. So for, you know, to have a couple other people say, that's good, Sue, and stay humble. And realize God's using you. Um, it makes me go to God even more and really pray through my life and make sure that I am the example I want to be, to make sure that I have people speaking into my life the same way I'm challenging my audiences to have people speaking into their lives, to make sure that I'm making sure that I stay in my own recovery so I have a dietitian and a counselor that I continue to meet with so that I can, again, practice what I preach. I do not want my words to be empty words. I don't want them to be platitudes. I want them to come from my real life experience because my experience is most likely someone else's experience. And that's where the authenticity comes from. So I, I just want to be real. When, when I first when I was getting ready to go on that first retreat, my brother had, had just been released from prison. He had to serve 18 months for a drunk driving accident. Thankfully he's in recovery. My dad's 30 plus years in recovery. My brother's nine plus years in recovery. And when my brother got back in town, um, you know, he ran into people at the store. I'm like, man, I haven't seen you for a while. Where were you? And he very proud, not proudly, but just very matter of fact said, in prison. And that really convicted me, Keith, because here I was struggling to fight through to kind of be authentic and figure out who I was and to tell my story. And if anyone had a reason to be embarrassed or have shame, 
I, in my judgment, my brother did. And yet he was just very boldly just saying, I was in prison because of this, because I had a drunk driving accident and God had to send me to prison to save me from myself. So I remember sitting in my counselor's office as we're getting ready for this first retreat. I was fearful. I was petrified. I had never shared my story publicly except with my counselor. And I looked at her and said, I just want to be authentic. So to be here now, eight years, eight years since I said that, to be where I am now, I don't want to go back. I want to be a model of authenticity, scars and all, because scars are a story of hope. A wound is still bleeding. It's still subject to infection. But as we clean it out, as we let God do the deep healing, that wound becomes a scar. And that scar becomes a story that gives somebody else hope. In my room, I have a, a wrought iron quote by Rich Mullins, late Christian musician Rich Mullins. And it says, in the end, it's not going to matter if you have a few scars. It will matter if you didn't live. I want my scars to be stories of hope for others. So as God expands the horizon, I want to be faithful to that call. Uh, this, this is truly an inspirational story, you know, that you have. And I'm sure if it have not helped, you know, hundreds of people, it, it will. So. so we got a few more minutes. So I'm just going to do two things. Uh, sure. So one last question. How can someone reach you? if they want to contact. Sure, I would love to hear from you. Please go to my website, suebowls.com. Uh, Keith will have it in the notes, but it's it's S-U-E-B-O-W-L-E-S.com. And, and let me know, let me know where you heard, where you heard me, you know, what podcast it was on. I have a podcast free gift I offer people. So, can, you know, definitely choose that option and, and uh, let me know that so I can get some information to you, but go to suballs.com. All my social media is on there. Link to my book is on there. Uh, if you're interested in coaching, you can get in touch with me there. I do have openings for a few clients. So certainly uh, respond to that as quick as you can before those fill up. Um, you know, and, and just, you know, just drop me a note. I would love to love to get in touch with you. And you can follow me. Like I said, all the social is on that website as well. So follow me on all my social media and keep up. And uh, I'd love to love to hear from you. Hey, real quick, Sue, I just wanted to offer up a quick word of prayer for you. Okay. That'd be great. Thank you. Okay. So, uh, uh, Father God, uh, first of all, I just want to you know, thank you for this podcast and allowed to fellowship with my dear sister here, Sue. Uh, oh God, who you're using incredibly, oh God. I just pray that you just continue to strengthen her and use her and give her that she has her heart desire to have everything that she needs, oh God, to be effective in her ministry. Because that's exactly what this is. This is a ministry. So we, we uh, people think that you know what we're doing is a job, but this is an actual ministry that God has called you to. And I just pray that that you just follow God's path and and you know be in, in tune to what He wants you to say and what He wants you to do, so that everything that you say and do will be pleasing to His side. And more than I pray for the people that she would be reaching out to. I pray that the outgoing of the Holy Spirit would rest root in the body each person that she encounters, oh Lord, so that they too would know the God of love and the God of grace and the God of mercy. That they too would be compelled to come to you, God, and to know you as you and I. as you, as I know you. And we know that this is a process as well. And we ask that you continue to allow us to walk in that process of God, that, that we too go expound on the ministry that you have assigned us to, that everything that we say and do will be pleasing to your sight. It is in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you. So I, I just wanna thank you for being a part 
uh, of this podcast, and I encourage you to continue to allow the Lord to use you. You have a wonderful story, and I'm quite sure that um, the people that will be listening and watching they too would be inspired. So thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. And God bless you. May the peace of God go with you wherever you go and that he would equip you and bless you for the good work that's to him. Thank you so much. Thank you, Keith. I appreciate it. And that will wrap up this uh, you know, episode. We got, uh, we're not going to be on next Sunday. Uh, but we will be on July the uh, 10th would be our next broadcast. So I hope that you will uh, join us. So until then, God bless you and enjoy the rest of your weekend. The views expressed on this program are those of the guests and not necessarily the views of management and staff of OBS Radio, OBS International, and Greater Works Business Services. Guests who appear on this podcast are not required to pay a fee and is made possible by RadioGuestList.com. For more information, please visit our website at www.obsintl.cf. Follow OBS on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash broadcast section. If you want to contribute financially to help us continue broadcasting, please go to paypal.me.obsintl. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next time. This is OBS Radio, a service of OBS International, a division of Greater Works Business Services.